The views and opinions expressed in the following program are those of Coal Investment Group and its staff. Coal Investment Group is a registered investment advisor. Call 262-522-4040. Welcome to the Retirement Clinic with your host, Jeff Kowal, from the Kowal Investment Group, the retirement specialists. It is the Retirement Clinic with the Coal Investment Group here. I'm Dave Michaels, in for Paul Cronforst. Joining me in studio is certified financial planner, professional Marie McFarland. Good morning, Marie. Good morning. The weekend's always good to be here. John White also is here in studio. Good morning, John. Good morning. You're more of a soda guy this early as opposed to coffee? Yeah, yeah. Uh, soda's good. Uh, I guess any time of the day is good for soda, actually. Yeah. <laughs> John's more of a tea guy. You he are. drinks tea. Yeah. Is this true? Yeah, I, I've uh, kind of had this affinity now for a little bit of honey, a little bit of tea in the afternoon, a little bit of a conversation. You're basically a Hallmark movie at this yeah, point, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. First, Marie, there's a couple of uh, housekeeping items you want to make sure to mention. Yeah, I wanted to mention the Retirement Clinic is now available on Spotify. We're really excited about that. Um, you can listen to any previous recordings of the Retirement Clinic whenever you want, and more importantly, wherever you are. Um, just when you get to Spotify, search Kowal Investment Group or the Retirement Clinic and be sure to follow us so you can stay up to date on the latest news on retirement and other insights. And then I also wanted to mention AT&T employees will be experiencing some changes to their retirement benefits. We can help you understand these changes and how they'll affect you and your retirement plan. So join us next week, Thursday, which is April 29th, or the following week, which believe it or not is May 4th, for a complimentary informational webinar. Um, and you can visit the Cowal Way for more, thecowalway.com for more information on the webinar, or feel free to call our office at 262-522-4040 to register as well. Marie, you mentioned Spotify. That's just, I think, another example of how society, especially in 2021, is an on-demand society. And that goes for everything, not just the information you hear on the Retirement Clinic with the Koal Investment Group, but people want to know what they want to know, when they want to know it. And in your world, you've had to adapt to give your clients, give your audience what they want, when they want so not so much a challenge, but it's just one of the many services that Kowal provides, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Yes, it is. So that in the same regard, we have LinkedIn, Facebook, and a Twitter as well. So you can stay up to date 24 hours a day if you'd like with Kowal Way. Is, is almost too much information a bad thing? Where you get almost analysis paralysis. I, mean, I there are do people that have, so. say, Fox News on, and they see that yep. the stock market going up and down. Oh, my gosh, I've got to change everything. <laughs> or they go up, and, oh, thank God I made that change last week. Yeah. There are some who are like that, but there are others who, again, will not be able to take all the information together and be able to, to, to parse it out. That's almost what your job is. Yes. So I think that brings a great point. Um, so on our website, the com, we do provide blogs, um, and market trends. And so I would say that's what we're doing. We're taking all that data that comes in for people and just kind of putting it in a snip, like a little snippet of here's what's happened or here's what you can expect, or here's why this went down or whatever the case might be. But I would say that's, that is our job. Definitely. And it's not just the week over week or quarter over quarter. You also have to understand there's historical analysis here. Look, facts are facts. The numbers don't lie. While we look at way, where things might be for year over year or even the last decade, you can go back 40, 50, 60, 70 years in some cases to get a, uh, an accurate, I think, prediction on what things will look like in 2021 and even into 2022. How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say um, I would 
kind of preface that with history does repeat itself, but actually at the same time, it doesn't always project of what will happen or what is going on. So I think you can get the best of both worlds when you look at what we post. Um, We will talk about, okay, this is what happened in the past when this situation happened. Um, This is what you could possibly expect. But at the same time, results, previous results don't always guarantee of what's forthcoming. There are never any absolutes. Well, except for death and taxes. (laughs) (laughs) And share, never retiring, apparently. Those are the two. Those are the three big absolutes. But, like you said, you can look at historical trends to have a better idea of what the future holds as opposed to looking at what may have happened at, say, 3.30 yesterday afternoon and using that as a predictor for Monday. Correct. Correct. And I think um, historical trends kind of give people peace of mind. I think sometimes just knowing what has happened in the past um, can kind of help you formulate what solutions you could provide for future planning um, just based on what happened in the past. So I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that's another area. It kind of gives peace of mind of future planning. What could I do in this situation? Yeah, I'd like to geek out and read books about financial history. And and, fa- and investment advice in general is something where – you know, it's it's an art and a science. You know, there are scientific aspects to it where we're dealing with numbers, but then there's the emotional piece to it as well, which is very hard to quantify and gauge. But I like to kind of start my clock at like 1890 and go forward from there. So there's over 100 years of history, of market history, and, and what you find is um, – People stay the same in terms of reacting to the markets and investment advice in general. Um, but what's changing is the innovation, the technology. That's the, the game-changing stuff. And so we're trying to marry all these concepts together and, and helping people with their own customized retirement goals. And that brings it back to my point. You said technology has made it easier to get all this information, which can, in theory, then lead to information overload. Now, as John brought up, you bring emotion into the into the. Uh, into the factor and my goodness it's harder to to parse that out because we are emotional and we see especially a year ago almost right now the stock market just diving as we were learning more and more about covid more and more aspects of the economy was shutting down how could you not be emotionally invested if you are at or maybe close to retirement age and seeing in some cases 50 percent of your wealth just disappearing in a matter of weeks in some cases how do you tell that emotional person to calm down and have a long-term approach when they see just their portfolio being ravaged by COVID. Right. And that's where, you know, coming over the, uh, talking about market history, I always like to tell my clients that investing should be somewhat boring. Um, this is in <laughs> if Vegas. You're doing it right. Right. Yeah. If you're doing it right, it should be boring. It's not like Vegas. We're rolling a dice here. You know, there are some clients that we have that do like to dabble in the market and, and and of course, take some, take a portion of your assets and do that, but let the serious money be handled by the experts, and and have a long term approach to things. Like for example, this is not the first time the United States has experienced a pandemic before. No. You can go back to 1950. You can go back earlier than that. We we've had it before. We just didn't have a 24 hour news cycle back then either. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, I also think. So one of the topics I want to talk about today was how to prepare for a discovery meeting with Cobalt Investment Group. And that's one of the first meetings we have when you're coming on um, and looking at our firm. And so I think that ties in perfectly to what you're saying is people come to us because A, there's a fear of something just happened or there's a fear of something's about to happen, whether it's I'm about to retire or I'm thinking of retirement or maybe my employer's kind of downsizing what what's going on brings people here. And so I think um, when it comes to the discovery meeting, 
and how to prepare for it, I would say kind of like what you mentioned is we need the facts. So statements, I, we always ask people to gather statements in regards to their retirement accounts, their taxable accounts, any statements they have for insurances they own, um, which gives us an analysis of their current investments and tying into exactly what you mentioned, that helps us project, okay, then what do we need to do in the future to accomplish your investment goals and your retirement goal? Um, and you can kind of look back in history with the current analysis mm -hmm. of your investments as well. I also um, think bringing tax or not, yeah, tax statements are important because that's something that you said is concrete too. Exactly. <laughs> we know we're going to pay tax, but it's ever changing. Right. And most likely changing again. Exactly. Um, so having your tax statement is something John and I and our team can use to, I would say, look through and identify areas we can be more efficient with your tax strategy, or maybe we're not maximizing your tax bracket to the fullest currently, but being able to look at other ways of, okay, this is what we project for the future for taxes. This is how we're feeling about taxes currently, and just making sure we're utilizing mm -hmm. everything we can to provide the retirement that you want in the future. We also ask for social security statements. Um, we know no longer you don't receive them in the mail as often as you used to. So it's I one of the harder. You probably haven't. Oh, the, well, I have. Oh, yeah. I said, wow. Hopefully this will be around when I retire. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You blinked and then tossed it in the yeah, recycle exactly, bin. Exactly. So that's another area we ask people to look into prior to meeting with us. Um, but you can go grab your estimates on ssa.gov and create a website. It's actually really easy and nice. Um, so you can log in at any time and see your social security estimates moving forward. You can see past earnings. So I would highly recommend everyone create that profile. And then those estimates we use in our cash flow analysis, which usually we go through in our second meeting, but that takes in a general idea. It takes current assets, income I'd like to spend in retirement. Will my money last? Obviously there's a lot more data that goes into it, but that's the general idea. Um, the other thing I like to share is, so we do ask for insurance statements. When you are a client, we take a deep dive into insurance review. And what we're looking at is long-term care, life insurance, disability insurance. If you are working, um, how much coverage do you have? Do you have too much? Not enough. Is there overlap? And then another thing, you're paying premiums for them and nobody likes paying insurance premiums, <laughs> but we want to make sure, okay, are you paying a premium and the outcome of the insurance? So if you had to use the insurance, does it make sense for the premium you're paying or is there opportunity where you can reduce the cost for something similar or what have you? And then big, big thing we like to make sure is there's no overlap too. So it's basically a financial checkup as well. Yes, it's an opportunity for Coal to get to know their either prospective or current client even better, but it's also a good um, opportunity to make sure all the ducks are in a row. Yep. Whether you are Correct. a first-time client or setting up a first-time meeting or long time, it's always good to get that uh, review to make sure that you're in a, a positive step forward in getting the retirement you've worked so hard to achieve. We're going to take a break. We'll have more of the Retirement Clinic. In studio this morning is Certified Financial Planner Professional Marie McFarland as well as Financial Financial planner John White. More coming up in just a second. Welcome back to the Retirement Clinic on WISN. I'm Aaron Kowal with the Boss Minute, business owner's savings and security. It's about owning your retirement, not just your business. Keeping your family business in the family successfully and according to your wishes takes smart, proactive planning. 
However, many family business owners are more focused on the daily running of their companies rather than the planning of their succession. Effective succession planning is often essential to sustaining a family-owned and operated business into the future. Failure to effectively transition the company can have significant consequences such as family conflicts, legal battles, bad publicity for family members and the business, higher tax burdens, and possible demise of the company. There are three main aspects to family business succession. First, a capable family business successor who can take over the company and run it well. Family harmony, a sense of balance within the family so that the personal entanglements do not derail the company. And last, wealth planning, a wealth plan that transfers ownership of the family business to the successors in a way that works best for the family and the business. If any of these aspects are out of sync, there will be increased pressures on the family business successors and increased risk for the company. To get started on your succession plan, you'll want to enlist the help of industry professionals who can help guide you and your family through the process. A team of experts will be able to help navigate the many issues and nuances of family business succession planning, as well as provide industry insights. Keep in mind that succession planning is not a set-it-and-forget-it step. It is a process that happens over time, with modifications and tweaks along the way. If you need assistance in building a succession plan for your family business, give our office a call at 262-522-4040 or visit us at thekowalway.com. Thank you for being here. I'm Dave Michaels, and for Paul Cronforce in studio this morning is Marie McFarland. She's a certified financial planner and professional with Kowal, as well as financial planner John White. Marie, you were talking a few minutes ago about, in essence, a checklist of information to bring in for that initial meeting if you want to chat with Kowal. It was a lot of information for obvious reasons, but tough to remember, especially if you're driving or maybe putzing out in the garage right now. The good news is Kowal has all that information online, correct? Correct. Please don't jot that all down while you're driving <laughs> Yes, it is all available. (laughs) It's all available online. And then, of course, when you do um, come, I would say, sign up to come in for the meeting, we'll send that to you in advance of what we would like to get prior to the meeting. And the obvious reasons are so you have a better understanding of what that client has, what assets they bring to the table, what their goals are. The more information you have, the better recommendation you can make. Correct. Exactly. And that gives us a good insight of, like I mentioned before, just taking tally of, okay, here are the assets you have that are earmarked for retirement. Here's your goal of when you would want to retire. What are we projecting or what do we look like for that goal? Um, A couple other things I wanted to mention um, is We've noticed when clients come in for their initial meeting, they tend to always have questions, but sometimes they're like, oh, I had a question for you, and they forget. So I would always suggest writing a few questions down beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great opportunity to see you know, your initial reactions of, especially if it's your first time going through any working with any firm, um, what are you, your main concerns about having investments with an advisor or what do we do? Or, you know, just even and no questions, a stupid question. I would do always you think there's also too. a hesitation, maybe even a nervousness because people, depending upon how old they are, they feel embarrassed or maybe ashamed that they should be further along in their savings, that there's almost a hesitation to ask a certain question or or hold back information as a fear of being judged? Definitely. I would say that's common. So what's your response to that person who, because you know they're listening right now going, I would like more information, but I know I'm not where I need to be. So 
the best solution is no solution at all. I'm not going to do anything. There is an answer for that question. Yeah, I would say the first step is just that baby step of having the initial conversation. I mean, it's like going to the dentist, right? Nobody likes going. Well, I like going to the dentist, but most people don't like going to the dentist. And that cavity just won't disappear. Yes. The problem doesn't go away. Correct. So you just have to take that initial step, start having the conversations, um, and it gets easier. And um, we're not threatening at all. Like, we understand, and we've seen everything. I mean, John drinks no tea, judgment. we learned. My goodness, one man <laughs> drinking tea is, would be a threat. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, money's kind of a taboo subject to begin with. Sure. I mean, hardly any family is going to get around the table eating dinner and go, hey, let's talk about money. You know, I mean, it's one of the most. Yeah, where's uncom- your 401k? Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you contributing? What's the match? Um, but, you know, we want to make this. Um, we have a fiduciary standard of care. You know, we're going to put your needs first as that's where it should be. But our job is to help you because like the dentist helps you with a cavity or the doctor helps you with an ailment. And we want to get you on the right track. Um, and so it's an exciting opportunity to get to. That's why I love doing what I do is helping people achieve their goals. It's a lot of fun. And I also would say um, I found a few times, too, that especially when spouses come in, they might not always have the same opinion on how to handle money. Yeah, how do you maneuver that? Yeah, and so that's our job, and I think it's a great opportunity to rest those situations on the advisor or on myself where I can say, okay, here's what you want to accomplish, and here's how you're getting there, and here's what you want to accomplish and how you're getting there. Here's the compromise. Here are some solutions that equal both scenarios, but make it easier for you to get through. Um, and I would say that's pretty common. Like you have usually one person that saves, one person that spends. <laughs> and a lot of times I'm guessing they want to rehash the past, but put them in that position for better or for worse, especially for worse. You're not there to judge. You're not there to go back and look at a return from 2008. No, no. you can't change the past. But the longer you have before retirement, the more options you have to get the retirement you're looking for, looking forward as opposed to dwelling on the past. Correct. Yes. So I would say, like you mentioned before, if you're thinking about it, do it. Just set the meeting, have the first initial conversation. No time is the perfect time. So now is the perfect time, actually. (laughs) Marie, you mentioned the meeting. I'm guessing a lot of people would assume that that meeting is when someone wants to start their retirement in the first place. Maybe they're in their 30s, they were focusing on their student loan in their 20s, travel, etc. But that's not always the case. You can still make that initial consultation, that set up that initial meeting, even if you're in your 60s. There's nothing wrong with that. That first meeting is not have to happen when you're starting retirement. You can roll things over. You can, maybe you're changing jobs. There's no reason why you can't have that initial meeting, even if you are a little bit older in life, correct? Correct. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, recently um, we had an initial meeting with somebody in their mid seventies. Really? So no time is too late um, because people are tending to work a little later. But like I said before, I think retirement planning should be done as soon as possible. Like as you can, soon as you want are ready to start that conversation, the earlier, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, But Never hesitate if you're already retired or really close to retirement. Um, The other thing I wanted to mention, prior to coming in for the original or for the discovery meeting, I would say know the age that you would want to retire. Um, And because that can be different for different people. So sometimes we'll sit down and somebody's in their early 50s and they're like, well, I don't know when I want to retire. But if you could would you retire at 62 or 65 or 70? Like, what does that look like for you? Um, And I think when you think about what age you want to retire at, there's a couple things you have to keep in mind. So early fifties, 
we have to make sure we're planning for health care expenses until Medicare age is 65. Um, if you're planning in early 50s for retirement, you also have to realize that you're planning for 40 plus years of income to come out of your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a different type of planning. And then 60s and on, again, the health care expense, how long you plan to live um, and what you'll do in retirement. I think that's one of the biggest. What's more important, and I'm speaking generally, the age they want to retire or what they want their retirement to look like? Sometimes they go hand in hand, but of the two, is one more important or one more of a challenge from your perspective than the other? I would say more important what you want to do in retirement, right? Because, I mean, if you want to travel and you have all these extra expenses, that could change how your retirement looks if you if you tried at 62 or if you tried at 70. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're like, well, I just want to retire early and I'll keep the same lifestyle, maybe that's a little more doable early on in the years. John, what do you think? Yeah, and commonly what we see is people come in with a projected idea of what they think retirement is going to look like. And then when they are retired, things change dramatically because now they have all this time on their hands to think through things and they're not, you know, watching the clock at work or anything like that and they don't have tasks or as many tasks um, and so they might have different ideas. Um, so there should be a little bit of room for some flexibility. Um, I'm, I'm a quick example. I had a client that uh, said that he would live up north in a cabin and go hunting and fishing and hiking. Mm-hmm. He ended up buying a house in Florida. That was <laughs> <laughs> boy. That's the complete right. That was not on the plan. Um, From Green Lake to yeah. Gainesville. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but that was not part of the plan when we initially set out to do his financial plan. Um, and he thought he would never live in Florida, but. That, that changed. Um, and then so is that something that he can just, on a whim, make that change? Or does he come to you ahead of time and say, in 12 months, this is what I'd like to do? Or how does that play out? Yeah, or what's ho- the best way for yeah. it to play out? Hopefully they're going to give us some notice of what they plan to do so we can start to do some projections on how that will affect their plan. Um, in this case, they actually ended up... <laughs> Uh, the, the bought a condo, realized the condo wasn't big enough and it didn't have a workshop for him, so they ended up buying a single-family home. Um, but yeah, that was not part of the plan. We had to figure in the, the expense of buying that place. Um, and and it, the plan did work, but if you don't have the flexibility, maybe that can't happen. So. And you don't get that flexibility right. unless you start planning well right. in advance, yep. right? To, at least to do it correctly. Correct. And I think you asked which one was more important. I think even kind of more important than that is – how much do you plan on spending in retirement? So going through your actual expense while you're in retirement is so important. And I think the biggest mistake is underestimating how much you'll spend in retirement. Um, Because a lot of times people will come to us and they'll say, well, I plan on spending less. My house will be paid off. This will be paid off. I won't have this expense. Well, truly, you're probably going to spend the same, if If not not more. more. Because like John just mentioned, you have this now free time that you didn't have while you were working. Well, you can only watch Jeopardy so often. I mean, I know Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' run as, as host is over, but still, yeah. when you have more time, you're going to be doing more things. And not yeah. everything has to be a, a trip to Tahiti, but when you do more things, that in theory costs, costs more. more money. Yeah, the, that you didn't have while you were working. Correct. The anomaly would be last year, right? If you retired at the beginning of 2020, you probably didn't spend as much because you exactly. didn't do as much. Exactly. Um, you mentioned 2020. COVID, how does a, a, a black swan event like a virus factor in? I mean, you can't obviously foresee something to the extent that COVID was as, as part of your retirement planning, but that is something to be aware of when it comes to planning for the future, I'm guessing. Yeah. So when we um, meet with clients during our investment planning or in clients going forward, we always project with cash flow analysis, which again, simply stated, here are your assets, here's what you're spending in retirement. 
this is how the projection looks like. Will you run out of money? Um, we also do bad timing. So kind of what does that look like if the market did have a down year, two years in a row, kind of replicating similar to what happened in 2020? Mm-hmm. Could your portfolio withstand that? So we do help plan for those what ifs. Obviously, we didn't we didn't know in 2019 that COVID would be 2020. Um, but that's something that kind of gives you peace of mind. So if my portfolio did have two down years in a row, I'd still be okay with retiring and have enough money to get through retirement. Yeah. And then we run that analysis at the beginning of retirement when you have the longest time horizon ahead of you. So it will have the biggest impact. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, looking at financial history, you'll probably get a recession every 10 years or so. And so, yeah, just because you're retired doesn't mean the, mar- the market's going to magically fall in your favor. History has shown, though, that you're more likely to get a, uh, uh, a bull market than a bear market. But, um, you know, my father-in-law retired in 2008 when the market was down heavily. And so, yeah, we need to stress test for those events to make sure that, you know, you're going to have enough money to last and you don't want to retire twice. <laughs> you mentioned uh, recession every 10 years. We haven't had one since 2008. As much of a dip there was in 2020, 2008, 2009, the housing market bubble was the last true recession. Nobody has a magic eight ball. Things are going very well, all things considered. But at some point, the bubble has to burst. I'm not wishing that, but that is a reality. So what do you tell the clients who want to start maybe pulling back now in anticipation of what might come in three months, six months, maybe a year, because if they do, they would lose out on that potential growth considering the economy is humming along very well right now. Yeah, I always like to tell people it's uh, time in the market. It's not timing the market that gets you ahead. Say that again. I think that's important. Yeah, time in the market, not timing the market. In other words, staying invested. Um, That's what history has shown us is that if you can just weather the storm, have a good allocation based on your risk tolerance and goals, and not try in time events – You'll do better than the average investor that makes probably a two and a half percent return. Um, where that's exactly what we're seeing. They're timing things, and typically you got to get two things right: when to get out, when to get back in. It's impossible. I mean, Warren Buffett said it himself. He's never met someone that could successfully time the market, and that's coming from Warren uh, Buffett. From Warren Buffett, <laughs> <laughs> that's good enough for me. And right? if they could, they wouldn't share it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or you pay a premium to yeah. get it, right? And even right. then, there's no guarantees because the market isn't a guarantee. You're listening to The Retirement Clinic with the Kowal Investment Group in studio this morning. Certified financial planner professional, Marina Farland, and financial planner, John White. I'm Dave Michaels, in for Paul Cronforce. We'll have more when we come back. This is The Retirement Clinic with the Kowal Investment Group. We appreciate you being here this morning, in for Paul Krantforst. My name is Dave Michaels, also in studio, certified financial planner, professional Marie McFarland, and financial planner, John White. One thing I think is important, John, I know you want to touch on, is the focus on college. Every week that goes by, there seems to be another report out that says, especially locally, more and more universities will have in-person learning this fall. And it's not a big surprise why. Uh, With the cost of college these days, many parents were wondering why they would send their kid to school for another year if they weren't actually going to be in school. I know uh, locally, a couple of universities down 8, 9, in some cases 10% for next year. So no, it's not a big surprise that safely, these universities are doing everything they can to have in-person learning. It's a good time to focus once again on 529 college plans as many more kids going back to school come fall. Yeah, you're right. You know, 529 plans, um, basically, 
let me get it out of the way in terms of the definition. So it is section 529 of the IRS code. That's where 529 comes from. I get that question so many times. What does 529 mean? It's just the section of the IRS code. And what it allows you to do is put money into this account. And basically that money will grow tax deferred. There's no taxes due on the gains that it makes every year. And the money will be tax free so long as it's used for qualified educational expense. So that's kind of a broad thing. You could it's do- almost like a Roth IRA. Exactly right. Um, and there's some really nice tax benefits too. Um, but, you know, qualified educational expense could be an iPad because you're going to use that for school. Um, textbooks, of course. Um, now, spring, uh, you know, if we go into uh, Cancun for spring break, that's not so qualified. does not count for a qualified. <laughs> does not count. Unfortunately. Sorry, kids, we tried. <laughs> now, let's say you do take it out. Now, if you use it for a qualified educational expense, tax-free, all that money is tax-free. If you don't use it for a qualified educational expense, you're going to pay state and federal taxes on the earnings of the 529, and then you'll get a nice additional 10% federal tax because you didn't use the funds for what they were meant to be used for. When does that decision have to be made? Let's say your kid is a senior right now at New Berlin Eisenhower, and they don't know if they want to go to college. They want to take what's called a gap year where they just want to take a year off. That doesn't mean you have to cash that out right now because it can still stay on hold if they decide to go back to school or go to school a little bit later on in life, correct? Yeah, absolutely right. It doesn't have to be a four-year college degree either. It could be a technical college, two-year associate's degree or something like that. It does not have to be four years. Um, if you don't go to college at all, you can switch beneficiaries. You can make yourself the beneficiary. Maybe you want to go back and get some extra training. It doesn't have to be for that designated person. But, of course, you're going to want to keep those tax advantages by using it for educational purposes. Um, Here's a question off yeah. the top of my head. You've got two kids. First one, and they each have their own 529. First one decides not to go to college. You have a 529 for both. Can you then carry over the first 529 over to the second child? Yes. So what you would do is use the one that's being designated for them first, and then with the other one, you would just switch beneficiary to the other child and use that. that that's, that's fine. I mean, you could technically, to make it cleaner, roll it all over into one account. But, I mean, it, it just depends on, on how you're planning to do that. Um, you know, and, and with, with that, I, I kind of got a quick example here. So let's say you have a newborn child, and they're going to go to college in 2039, 18 years from now. And I just picked UW-Milwaukee as an example because we can choose specific colleges for this kind of really? planning. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, private or public, in-state, out-of-state, we can, we can choose all that. Um, and we're doing a four-year college degree. Well, in today's dollars, now this is room, board, tuition, and textbooks. We're looking at $21,183. I was just going to say, do I need to sit down before yeah, you make yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Say the number again. Yeah, $21,183 is an estimate of what it would cost for one year of – Yeah, that's not total. Right. That's, that's just that's just that's yeah, that's year one. Um, but what we do is we inflate those costs at a six point oh five percent inflation rate, which is kinda high. But education is getting sorry. right and it's getting more expensive. So we want to make sure that we've got enough dollars in here. So here's the bad news. By the year twenty thirty nine, when they actually do go to college, it'll be thirty three thousand three hundred and seventy dollars a year. So what I'm doing is taking that twenty one thousand Applying that 6% inflation rate, so by the year 2039, is $33,370 for one year. And that's for a newborn baby when right. you start that 529. Right. So reading between the lines, start saving as soon as your child gets a social security number. Because that's the- Which is you, day two of their I, life, basically. I, I tried to start right away, and they said, oh, you can't open an account without the child's social security number. So you got to wait for that. Once you got the social security number, you can start saving for college. And there's no amount that's too small. 
Because look, those are big numbers. In any, whether you just became a parent today, congratulations if you did. Thank you for listening. Or maybe you've got four kids who are all in high school and you know you're behind the eight ball. That doesn't mean you shouldn't start at all because it's baby steps. To quote, was it Bill Murray? And what about Bob? Baby steps. You have to start somewhere, whether it's for your retirement, whether it's for your kids' college education. You may not be where you want to be, but not starting today won't get you there any any faster either. So that's why it's so important to make that initial step. Right. And like I said before, time in the market, letting those investments grow. And typically what we see, and, and I do this myself with my kids, I have two boys, is I guess do a target date fund. I go, okay, uh, my, my eldest will be in college by about the year 2029, so I'll pick that college date fund. So as the college date approaches, the funds will get less and less riskier. So the money's going to be there, and we're not going to suffer any market loss because now they're actually now we need the money. We need the money for college. Um, so there's some really cool things, you know. In Wisconsin, we typically have two plans. We've got EdVest, which is pretty much run by the person themselves, and then we've got Voya, um, and they have their programs called Tomorrow's Scholar, um, and that's run with an advisor's help. So what we do is we invest the money into the plan. It grows tax deferred. And here's the great thing. If you invest into these plans, you will get a state tax deduction. So the maximum in 2021 that you can offset on your state taxes is $3,380, and that's per beneficiary. That's the maximum you can offset, or that, that's the maximum that you can deposit? That's the maximum you can offset against your state taxes. So typically what we see is the gift tax limit per year is $15,000. So you could put up to 15000 into your child's uh Per year. Uh, per year. And here's the other great news. Anyone else can put into it too. So grandparents can put in. A best friend can put into their fund. And they will get a state tax deduction as well. So I always like to – because people get confused in this point. I always try and make an example of I can't put into your IRA as much as I'd like to. Maybe. <laughs> but I can't put into your child's college fund. So what we try and do around our kid's birthday is say, let's not get another plastic toy. Give me some money so I can throw it into their college fund and you get a state tax deduction. That's nope. beneficial to that child and also mom and dad from stepping on said toy at 11 o'clock at night right. too. So it's a win-win for everybody. Exactly. And, and that money grows tax deferred. I always like to talk about that. Like no taxes due. All tax-free if it's used for an educational purpose. Um, there are other rules in effect. So you can actually put up to $75,000 as a one-time every five years contribution or 150000 married filing a joint tax return. And every five years you can do that. So the advantage there, if you can do that, is the money's going in sooner to get more growth mm-hmm. so you're going to have to put in more later. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, not everyone can do that, but you got to start somewhere. Um, and there's some really cool things you can do with these plans. And again, there's flexibility. You can switch beneficiaries. It doesn't have to be a four-year degree. There's a lot of cool things you can do. Uh, you're just scratching the surface. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a little more complicated than what we were describing, but for, for purposes of, of, of description, that's what John's doing. If you do have more questions, Koala is more than willing to help you out with, um, in addition to 529s, anything else we've discussed as well. It's important we haven't given the phone number in a little bit. What's the best way to get in contact with the both of you? So you can reach us at 262-522-4040 or, of course, find us at our website at com. And then just to piggyback off John, when it comes to retirement planning, um, I always say put your mask on first. Kind of like when you're on the plane and they say put your mask on first if things go down before you put your kids on. Make sure your retirement plan's on track prior to also looking at 529s. Because you can take out a loan for school, but you can't take a loan out for your retirement. So I would also say make sure your retirement's on track, too.
when you said put the mask on first, I didn't know if that was a reference to. Yeah, not the, the other, COVID mask. The other mask that is <laughs> the front oxygen and center. One. I was going to say, like, on an airplane, what are we talking Ah, there we go. 529s can be very complicated, though, too. Uh, no one wants to just set it and forget it. That's what you're here for at the Coal Investment Group is to is to answer questions, is to um, show them how their money is growing. What's the best way to to track that as well? Is that something they should keep an eye on as well or just leave it in the good hands of the Coal Investment Group to make sure that aspect of their financial future is also on track? Yeah, that should be part of a financial planning review, checking in on the 529s to see how they are doing, how their performance is going. Um, maybe update the contributions. If, there, if there's been a pay raise, for example, should we put more in? Um, and then, of course, you're going to get statements from Edvest, from Tomorrow's Scholar, to show you how things are going as well. So when you get those in the mail, that's a good time to kind of look things over as well. So um, what's the quarters okay to kind of just eyeball it? Mm-hmm. Yep, eyeball it and see how are we doing. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be, I'm going to pay for four years of college. Um, I, we have some clients who are like, you know what? The, the, the fourth year is on them. I'll pay for the first two year, uh, three years. Um, but they've got to, everyone's different. Some people don't want to give their kid a free college ride. They mm-hmm. want them to realize the value of the education and how much it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's got a different attitude and a mindset that they bring to it. Um, so it's not a Puritan, I'm going to pay for four years of college. It's typically some sort of hybrid of that. I spent many years at McDonald's when I was in college and not eating a Big Mac, serving said Big Macs to help pay for my college education so I can completely understand it and, and relate there. We'll have more. You're listening to the Retirement Clinic with the Coal Investment Group when we come back. It is the Retirement Clinic with the Coal Investment Group. Thank you for being here this morning. I'm Dave Michaels in for Paul Cronforce, financial planner John White, as well as certified financial planner professional Marie McFarland is here. It wouldn't be a COAL program without the sexy segment. So today I was, I'm going through, are you worried about your child's inheritance if they divorce? So this is an article from Kiplinger. Um, and a trust can be your answer. So again, preface it with clients are building nest eggs for their kids, you know, when they pass. Sure. So a legacy is going to be left behind. And maybe the worry is, what if I pass away and my child gets divorced and that spouse, ex-spouse, gets half of my assets. And that's a valid concern. It seems uncommon, but still a reality. Yeah. Um, So the article goes through, how does this work? So it says, in many cases, if a child receives an inheritance and combines it with the assets they own jointly with their spouse, so they take the inheritance, they combine it with the other assets they have with their spouse, such as a bank account, a car, a house, whatever the situation may be, depending on the state in which they live, the inheritance may become subject to marital property division. So if they become divorced later, since they put that um, inheritance together as joint property, it's going to be divided as joint property when they divorce. So a way to avoid it, again, this gets a little bit more complex, Um, Estate planning is the answer to this, but to avoid it, you could put the child's inheritance in a trust account. And so you can use the trust funds to then pay only those assets in the child's name. And a lot of times people think, okay, a child under the age of 18, no, we're talking children, 18, 25, 35, 40, you know, however old they might be, this might be the right way for you to go. And I think when the article goes through and says, okay, well, when are these, when is it a good idea to look at this? If they're younger than 18, obviously, 
that's not something you're concerned about, Mm -hmm. but it's getting close. I mean, they're going to graduate from college. Maybe they do get married soon. So under 18, you obviously should have a trust anyways. You'll have a trustee that overlooks the child's assets, but you're not concerned about somebody else getting the assets when they get married. If your child's newly married, so everybody usually has a happy marriage at first, and then sometimes That's why they say I do in the first place, (laughs) but sometimes they don't. (laughs) Right. Sometimes life gets a little bumpy, and maybe they do have more stressful, complex things that happen in their marriage. And so it kind of shares the thought that when they're newly married, you keep the assets as is, but as they continue through, through their marriage and you feel like maybe this isn't going the way you want and the son-in-law or wife or whatever the situation might be, now is the time to put your assets in a trust just in case. The other thing I like to mention is this stuff should be reviewed every five years, we would say three to five years. Not the fact that you have to redo anything, but as John mentioned before, the Secure Act was passed and that changes things when it comes to estate planning. And so just making sure it's up to date with the current laws and taxes and all of your other legacy planning that you have in place. Can you highlight, John, the Secure Act again for those who may have missed it? Yeah. So quickly, December 20th, 2019, the Secure Act was passed by partisan support. Um, So, you know, end of 2019, it got passed. It was... uh, I'll just say a nasty law. It has some carrots in there, but there is a lot of stick as well. Um, and then COVID hit. And then the Secure Act kind of disappeared into the ether. So I've made it a point to bring this thing back up again and again when I can. Um, but one of the things, you know, like like Marie was saying with trusts, um, you know, I always tell my clients there's two worlds we live in. We live in the paperwork world and in the real world. And if you don't have your paperwork in order and things can change in life, like a, like a death or a divorce or something, then you're going to wish you had that paperwork in order. Um, and so with with the SECURE Act, some people would use what's called a conduit trust and put an IRA in that trust. And so when you had required minimum distributions from an IRA as an inheritor of this IRA, uh, the trust could own the asset or the IRA and allow you to pass those payments to the beneficiary. Well, under the SECURE Act now, you have to spend that money down within 10 years of inheriting it. So a lot of people that have these conduit trusts are going to need to have them reworded in such a way that they're compliant with the SECURE Act. So this is why every five years or so you should want to review and make any amendments to the trust mm-hmm. because laws do change. Even though you've done your trust already and you think, okay, I'm done and dusted. I've, I've <laughs> talked to the attorney. I've paid my fee. We're good. Nope. you got to go back and reassess things and make sure they're compliant with the law um, because – the thing with the Secure Act, and this is one of the sticks I was mentioning, is these payments are no longer stretched over your lifetime. They're now limited to 10 years. So the trust will say – the old trust will say we will take payments every year. Well, not anymore. Now you, there's no payments. You don't have to take payments from year one through nine, but in year 10, you must take a payment. And that payment, if it's in a traditional IRA, can be a huge taxable event, especially if you're still working and have W-2 income or other sources of income. Um, so we're going to want to make sure that our clients are updating their estate plan, making sure that they're on top of this because it can have big, big tax consequences. Now, if it's a Roth IRA, it's probably not a big deal because all that money's tax free anyway, if you inherit it. But, uh, you know, the secure act really has thrown a lot of wrench in a lot of estate plans that the people will need to have reviewed by their attorney. And just because we hear 2019 and then 10 years, oh, I don't have to worry about that till 2029. Uh, well, guess what? 2029 is going to be here before you know it. You start planning now. In theory, it won't hurt as hard if this applies to you. Never mind eight years from now, but potentially in 2022, 2023 and beyond. 
Right. Yeah, the time is going to pass very quickly. And, you know, basically the government hit fast forward on tax receipts by passing this law. They said, you know, we don't want people inheriting these IRAs anymore and stretching the payments over their lifetime. We want the money sooner than later. No way. The U.S. <laughs> government has this belief? Blow me over with a feather. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, and there's, there's so many different things to, to do with the SECURE Act, like Roth conversions now become a lot more important for, for tax purpose uh, and, and estate planning purposes. If you want your children to have more tax-free money, you should be doing Roth conversions now rather than later because we're assuming the tax rates are going to go higher. And if, you, if it's important for you, because some of our clients, it's not important. They don't want to leave money to their children. Their children are doing just fine in their own careers. But if, it's, if it is important, you should start to think about doing wealth conversions to get more tax-free growth so that your children aren't burdened with this huge tax liability now that they have 10 years, which is nothing, mm-hmm. um, to, to pay a lot of taxes on, on hopefully a lot of money that they'll, they'll inherit. So and It's important to remember, while a final decision does not have to be made, at least the initial consultation, the initial meeting, the gathering of information can start happening now. It's a process, and it's a lot of information. And as we talked about in the beginning of the show, there's analysis paralysis, but if you can get the correct information from the Koal Investment Group to make an educated decision, not today, not necessarily tomorrow, Maybe not even in a month, but begin that process to figure out what's best for you, what's best for your family, what's best for the trust, what's best for their college education, what's best for your retirement. I think we checked all the boxes yeah, of the program there, right? <laughs> you know, make that initial phone call, whether you are or already are not a client. There's no reason why you can't call Colwall. Actually, when I say call, there's other ways. Again, we live in this on-demand society like we've been talking about. There's other ways to get in contact with Koal as opposed to just the old-fashioned picking up a phone and dialing a phone number too, correct? Correct. You're on Facebook. Correct. You're on LinkedIn. You're on the web. And we're you're on Twitter. On, you're on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You're on Spotify mm-hmm. to to hear some of the prior topics that have been discussed, not only just today, but uh, in years past as well. It's always good information to, to have at your fingertips, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. It is. So yeah, don't forget to check us out on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And then as we mentioned at the beginning, Spotify. I think that's going to be great to be able to follow and have that readily accessible, especially if you can't tune in right away. Um, in the morning on Saturday. You can listen to it later in the afternoon. Yeah, it is spring. It's soccer (laughs) practice, baseball practice, yard maintenance season uh, in many different ways. Uh, Also important to note that you you have a couple of webinars coming up, April 29th, I believe, as well as May 4th. Yes, so we have April 29th, Thursday, April 29th, and May 4th. We're doing a complimentary informational webinar for AT&T employees who will be experiencing changes to their retirement benefits. So we'll go through an overview of what you can expect for changes and then, of course, how they impact you. Do you need to sign up for that ahead of time? You do need to sign up ahead of time, but even if it's 10 minutes before, you can do it. What's the best way to do that? I would say go online to our website, thekowalway.com, and it should be there. If not, give us a call at 262-522-4040. Closing thoughts, John? Yeah. um, Excuse me. Uh, Information is power. You know, um, and that's what we want to give our clients. We want them to walk away from the first meeting knowing a lot more than what they did when they came in. And there is no such thing as a silly question. Um, You know, we need to give people clarity on, we don't want to wing this, basically. We don't want to wing your retirement. We want to have it reduced to writing. We want to have a strategy in place so that when the inevitable bumps in the market do happen or your life circumstances change, that we will have already addressed those issues so that when that event does happen, it's not a surprise because people do get emotional when it's a surprise. When it's not a surprise, people act more rationally, For sure. which is what we're after. We want people to have a disciplined approach to their retirement and, and it pays off. It really does. And, and we've seen that time and time again. 
Um, so, yeah, give us a call. We'd be happy to help. TheKowalWay.com, TheKowalWay.com. And as Marie mentioned, you can also listen to any previous episode on Spotify as well. Good to see you both. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Marie McFarland, Certified Financial Planner, a professional from Kowal as well as Financial Planner, John White. I'm Dave Michaels. You're listening to The Retirement Clinic with the Kowal Investment Group.